Welcome, friends, to the Clayhouse Gospel Hour. My name is Pastor Steve, coming to you from the Pacific Northwest. I pray that wherever and whenever you are listening to this, it finds you well. I pray that God will bless you in our time together, and that as a result of it, you will be drawn nearer to Jesus. All right, welcome back. Uh, This is Steve, the Clayhouse Gospel Hour. Um, Today we're going to continue our study of the wisdom literature. We're going to jump into the book of Job um, and just focus in on chapter 28 um, and really go through the whole chapter. But um, the reason that we focus in on chapter 28 of the book of Job is because Job is a a narrative. And so in the Near Eastern tradition, um, this was a storytelling method uh, where the philosophies of the day could be expounded upon. And so um, if you read through uh, the book of Job, you'll find that his um, four friends um, really give us a display of the current wisdom of the day. And then, of course, um, the the narrative of the story takes us to a place and shows us um, that God is, in fact, um, wisdom himself, wisdom itself. Uh, and so, but verse, uh, chapter 28 is uh, just a little pause in the middle of the narrative uh, of the book, and uh, it's a hymn or a poem uh, to wisdom, um, and it's going to be using a metaphor uh, to help us understand um, how we can uh, come into um, having wisdom. Um, And so before we really get started, let me pray for us, and then we will dive right in. Let's pray. Father, we Thank you for this time that we have to come together uh, to study your word. Lord, I just pray now that as a result of us uh, spending this time uh, in your word, that we will be made more like you and that we will be drawn closer to you. And Lord, we pray that you would give us wisdom. And so Lord, we say these things in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so more, just a little bit more background on the chapter itself. Um, it's breaking. It's broken down. Excuse me. It's broken down into um, three sections. Uh, section number one, which is tip, uh, verse one through eleven, um, uh, the writer gives us a metaphor, the metaphor of mining, and he so he's going to talk us through that. And then verses twelve through nineteen, we get this question: uh, Where is wisdom? Uh, and then verses twenty through twenty-eight, we get the answer. Uh, that God knows uh, wisdom, where it is, how to get it, all of those things. Uh, And so let's go through each section, um, and we'll kind of go through verse by verse. But So what I'm going to do for this session is I'm going to read the first 11 verses, and then we're going to talk a little bit about it, um, and then I'll read the next section. We'll talk about that next section, talk about that, and then I'm going to give you a a big picture, uh, something that you can uh, take home uh, and ruminate on. So let's start here in verse number one. Let me read from scripture. Here's what the Bible says. Surely there is a mine for silver and a place where gold is refined. Iron is taken from the ground and copper is smelted from ore. A miner puts an end to the darkness. He probes the deepest recesses for ore in the gloomy darkness. He cuts a shaft far from human habitation in places unknown to those who walk above ground. Suspended far away from people, the miners swing back and forth. 
Food may come from the earth, but below the surface of the earth is transformed as by fire. Its rocks are a source of lapis lazuli, containing flecks of gold. No bird of prey knows the path. No falcon's eye has seen it. Proud beasts have never walked on it. No lion has ever prowled over it. The miner uses a flint tool and turns up ore from the root of the mountains. He cuts out channels in the rocks, and his eyes spot every treasure. He dams up the streams from flowing so that he may bring light what is so he may bring to light what is hidden. All right, so here we have the metaphor of mining. Uh, and so let's let's break it down and take a look at it. So there's two sections in, in this part that I see. The first is the work of the miner. So when we're thinking about wisdom and the metaphor that he's giving us is he's putting us in the driver's seat here. We're the miner. Um, and so how are we going to find wisdom? And you may have heard this metaphor used all over the place, even in studying scriptures or anything else. We find this little nugget, uh, right, that we can hold on to. You've heard that phrase used. Um, and so... Uh, those are uh, metaphors, mining metaphors, that little nugget of gold, that precious metal, that that diamond uh, that you're searching for. Um, these are all these the same metaphor that's being used for uh, searching up knowledge and wisdom out of different items. And so here we're we're set up in the in that. So we look at the work of the miner. In verse number three, uh, it says a miner puts an end to the darkness and he probes the deepest recesses for ore in the gloomy darkness. Um, and so one of the things that we can see about that is that the miner, uh, in order to find what he's looking for, he needs to light the way. But I want you to notice that even as he lights the way, he is still moving about in gloomy darkness. So he hasn't completely illuminated everything. He's just basically turned on a small light. This passage, though, when we think about... Um, wisdom and living a wise life or a life of wisdom. Um, it reminds me of Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a, a light unto my, uh, path, my feet and a lamp unto my path. And so uh, we see that uh, working in this. This guy is going to try to illuminate things. He's going to uh, turn the lights on uh, and try to see. But because he's just a mere man, as we all are, uh, he can't illuminate it to its brightest point. He can only uh, make out uh, the gloomy darkness. And so just enough change uh, where he can move about in that. Secondly, in verse number four, it says, uh, he cuts a shaft far from human habitation. Um, and so my thought process on that is about making a path, which also reminds me of Psalm 119, uh, And when we think about that, we are turning on the lights to the best of our ability, but we still can't see things uh, as clearly as we hope that we could. Secondly, we're making a pathway. We're, we're cutting this shaft, and we're moving away all this kinds of debris uh, and getting stuff out of the way. Uh, in verse number 10, he says, um, uh, he cuts out channels in the rock, and his eye spots every treasure. And so, again, the work of the miner here is to make that path. But think about cutting a channel in the rock. Uh, that's some serious hard labor. But there's also some, some knowledge there in the context of knowing where to look, 
this miner has been doing this long enough that even as he cuts these channels and moves through these uh, locations, he can um, uh, spot, it says, uh, his eyes spot every treasure. So even though the gloomy darkness, even though he's making that pathway, even though he's cutting these channels and doing that hard, laborious work, when he does stumble across something, um, even in his knowledge of knowing if I, if I move in this direction, I'm more than likely going to find something, it's stumbling upon it as he cuts through that channel. And then verse 11 uh, says, uh, he dams up the streams from flowing so that he may bring to light what is hidden. Uh, and so what this made me think of was uh, shutting down the noise, shutting down the noise. Uh, so often we are so entertained and so overstimulated um, with the 24-hour news cycle and just the entertaining ourselves with uh, you know TV shows and uh, whatever else it is that we entertain ourselves with, books and uh, you know taking vacations and going places and and understand me, there's nothing wrong with any of those things individually. It's when they become the, the focus, the goal, the what you're going after. Uh, that's when we find ourselves in real trouble. And so um, that's we've got to shut down some of that noise. So here the miner is uh, damming up the stream uh, to cut the water source off so that as that water then passes through, he'll be able to see uh, on the dry ground, exactly what it is. All that noise will be gone away from him. Uh, and so in our lives, thinking about this now, just to give some application to this metaphor, um, lighting the way and making the path, um, thinking about this from a scriptural standpoint, just like I said, uh, Psalm 119, 11, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And so um, spending time in that in in the gospel, cutting those channels, um, and digging deep um, is searching through uh, those scriptures. Damming up the stream is turning off all the noise, getting rid of all of that noise, and spending time with God and in His Word, and in uh, you know just sitting in silence with Him uh, and being in His presence. The second thing that we see here in this metaphor. Um, is what I call the ignorance of the unattentive. Look at verse number four. Verse number four says, uh, he cuts the shaft far from human habitation in places unknown to those who walk above the ground. So you'll notice that he's doing all of this work far from human habitation. And the reason for that is, is that um, the masses of humanity can keep us from being able to focus our attention on what it is that God is trying to show us. And so as we're mining and as we're digging and looking for wisdom and searching for those things, uh, the, the masses at large can capture our attention. Um, and so this miner goes far from uh, human habitation. Um, he, he said, you got to go to a place that's unknown to those who walk above ground. You got to get away from people. Um, secondly, verse number uh, seven uh, says, no bird of prey knows the path, no falcon's eye has seen it. Um, so I called this the the intelligent. Um, so a, a falcon has got this, uh, and I'm not a falconer, 
But falcons have this really crazy vision. They can see things that a lot of people can't see. And of course, they're way up in this bird's eye view. And uh, so they're searching and they're looking and they can find you know that smallest little field mouse and dive bomb down and catch it. But the scripture is telling us here that even with that sharp eyesight, uh, they can't see uh, and capture uh, this wisdom. Uh, it's outside of their abilities. And so that's why I said that it's the intelligent. Because sometimes you can have some people that are really, really smart and have no wisdom whatsoever. So they have a lot of facts in their minds or they're experts in their field, uh, but their, their wisdom is just missing. Uh, the third one uh, is verse number nine. Uh, the miner uses a flint tool and turns up ore from root of the mountain. Uh, proud beast, verse number eight, really. Proud beasts have never walked on it. No lion has ever prowled over it. Verse number eight is the one I was going for there. The lion can't find it. The falcon can't see it. The lion can't find it. Um, when we think about the lion, right, that's the king of the jungle. These are the nobles, those folks that are... Um, the big man on campus. It's the, the people that are popular. Uh, in our context and culture, you can think about um, Hollywood or TV personalities or sports figures or uh, people that are just really popular and famous, um, you know, presidents and politicians and all of this. Um, and we look to them for leadership and for guidance. And um, scripture here is telling us just because they're in those positions, does not mean that they are uh, people of wisdom. All right, let's continue on. Um, the second section, so that's the metaphor of mining. So he's giving us this metaphor. There's work that we have to do if we're gonna search out this wisdom, and there's things that we have to separate ourselves from uh, in order to be able to find those things. The second uh, uh, section here, uh, verses 12 through 19, uh, is talking about, uh, it asks us a question uh, in verse number 12. Let me read the section to you, and then we'll begin talking about it. But where can wisdom be found, and where is understanding located? No one can know its value, since it cannot be found in the land of the living. The ocean depths say, it's not in me, while the sea declares, I don't have it. God cannot be exchanged for it, and silver cannot be weighed out for its price. Wisdom cannot be valued in the gold of Ophir, in precious onyx or lapis lazuli. Gold and glass do not compare with it, and articles of fine gold cannot be exchanged for it. Coral and quartz are not worth mentioning. The price of wisdom is beyond pearls. Topaz from Cush cannot compare with it, and it cannot be valued in pure gold." So the question here then is asked is, where is wisdom? Uh, and the answer is simply is uh, nobody knows where it's located and nobody can understand its value. And so there's three things here uh, that he tells us. Verse number 14, the ocean depths say it is not in me, while the sea declares I don't have it. So we're talking about the value of wisdom here, and there are a few things um, that he shows us. The first is uh, you cannot search the depths. Now, he's talking about the sea and so forth here, but I really want you to understand in the, the, the context of this Near Eastern um, uh, poetry here, uh, he's really talking about 
going on a quest, traveling to find it, going out across the sea, uh, searching for wisdom beyond the borders of our own land, uh, looking beyond the minds that we have created and past the the animals that we are familiar with and to search out. Uh, he talks about places, um, Cush and Ophir, and um, traveling to those lo- locales um, that are um, known for their gold and silver and uh, fineries. And it's taking those trips uh, is not going to automatically grant you uh, wisdom. Secondly, uh, verse 16 and 17, uh, wisdom cannot be valued in the gold of Ophir, in precious onyx or lapis lazuli. Gold and glass do not compare with it, and articles of fine gold cannot be exchanged for it. Here's the other thing about wisdom. You can't buy it. You can't have enough money, and just because you have money doesn't mean that you're a wise person. You can be a great businessman, and know everything there is to know about uh, leveraging, um, you know, resources in order to make yourself wealthy. But just being wealthy doesn't make you wise. Wisdom is something that's beyond that wealth. And no matter how much money you have, uh, you can give it to the wisest person in the world, and that wise person cannot give you the wisdom in a transaction uh, as if you were purchasing goods for sale. So just because you travel and go to far-flung places and see lots of things doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be uh, granted wisdom. Secondly, you can't buy wisdom. The money that you have and all of those things that you've put together uh, will not make you a wise person. And finally, you can't find it in opulence. And I mentioned earlier uh, Ophir and Cush and uh, some of these other locations um, during that uh, time frame in the Near Eastern culture. Remember, this is pre-law, uh, before Abraham. Um, and so these locales were known for uh, their precious metal and stones and uh, gems. And so uh, even if we gather up all of uh, the opulence that we can put together, um, even Solomon, uh, in all of his wisdom, uh, there were there were none uh, that were arrayed like Solomon. Nobody had the clothing that he had, the houses that he had, the wives that he had, the money that he had, the fortune that he had. All of those things uh, did not uh, grant him wisdom. It was a simple request when God said, what shall I give you? And he said, grant me wisdom uh, that I might rule the people well. That's what brought him wisdom. All of those other things um, were of no value when it came to wisdom. And as a matter of fact, as we uh, will study uh, next week in Ecclesiastes, um, which most scholars um, say that Solomon uh, wrote that book or it was writings about him, um, he'll tell you that in that book of Ecclesiastes, he'll say, um, you know, the I've had lots and I've had nothing and all of it is of no value whatsoever. Uh, and so the question is, then where is wisdom? Where is wisdom? So he begins this passage by saying, we have to mine and look for it. We have to dig for wisdom. And he said, there's lots of places and lots of different types of people that can't find it. And then secondly, he says, where is it? He said, well, you can travel, but you may not find it there. You, can, you can't buy it and you can't find it in 
the gathering of wealth and the opulence. It's just not there. That's not where wisdom lies. So then in this last section, he's going to answer the question for us. So we begin in verse number 20. Where then does wisdom come from? And where is understanding located? It is hidden from the eyes of every living thing and concealed from the birds of the sky. Abaddon and death say, we've heard news of it with our ears. But God understands the way to wisdom, and he knows its location. For he looks to the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. When God fixed the weight of the wind and distributed the water by measure, when he established a limit for the rain and a path for the lightning, he considered wisdom and evaluated it. He established it and examined it. He said to mankind, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to turn from evil is understanding. So the answer to the question, where is wisdom? God knows wisdom. So there's three things that we can learn from this and then a, a big picture. Verse number 21. Verse number 21 says this, Wisdom, it is hidden from the eyes of every living thing and concealed from the birds of the skies. It is hidden. Wisdom is hidden from creation. So we can mine all we want. We can travel all we want. We can purchase all we want. We can do all the things that we want to do. None of that is going to give us the wisdom because wisdom is hidden from creation. Both humans and animals, nobody has wisdom. We, it's, it's not attainable through regular normative processes. We can't dig it up. We can't find it. We can't manufacture it. It's hidden from all of, the cre of creation. Here's a really cool and interesting thing uh, in verse number 22. It says, Abaddon and death say, we have heard news of it with our ears. Now let's talk about that for a minute. Uh, everybody, I think, understands what death is, right? I mean, you can even picture it. This is personifications of two things. Uh, this is death personified. So this is the guy that you're seeing in your mind right now with the big cloak and the sickle uh, and cruising around and, and you know taking people out when it's their time to go. Uh, the second one is Abaddon. And this one may be less familiar uh, to you. It was very popular uh, during this time frame when this literature was written. Uh, Abaddon is the destructor or he is destruction personified. So what you see in this sentence is that destruction and death or death and destruction. Um, they say, we've heard about wisdom with our ears. We've heard news of it, but we don't know it. And so here's the, here's the really cool and interesting part about that. A lot of people think that just a lifetime of experiences will give you wisdom. And that if I just live life and get older, that I will be wise. But, you know, if you think about that for a minute, you know that that's not true. There are many, many people that have lived to very long ages and still are uh, act foolish and live foolishly. Just because you live long doesn't mean that you're going to be wise. And so the point of that is, is that here's death and destruction. 
those are the final two guys that you see, right? When your body breaks down and is destroyed and then you die. These guys say about wisdom, well, we've heard people talk about it. We've heard news of it, but we don't know where it is either. We don't have the key to it. So even longevity itself doesn't bring wisdom. So finally here in verse number 23, we're told, but God understands the way to wisdom and he knows its location. Now, he's going to spend another couple of verses here, 24 through 27, and he's going to be talking about some of the things that God did when it comes to wisdom. So let's look at those. Uh, He looks to the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. God sees everything. Then God, when God fixed the weight of the wind and distributed the waters by measure, when he established a limit for the rain and a path for lightning, he considered wisdom and evaluated it. Now, I want you to think about that for a second. Now, lots of people, and even in this passage, right, we compared wisdom with um, you know, gold and silver and precious stones and jewels. And we're told it's not those things. It's nothing like that. Here, God is going to evaluate um, and consider wisdom in the context of the fact that uh, he knows exactly how much water is coming. He knows the weight of the wind. He's established the limit for the rain and the path of lightning right? These are things that are completely untouchable and untangible to mankind. We do not know. I mean, even if as we dig in all of our science and we understand the natural processes of things, it's amazing to us. Uh, And even in the scientists, as we look at like earth sciences and we understand, take the water cycle, like how does, how does, how does this water that stays on the earth, like that perfect level of water, for the earth, you know? And so uh, God, he did all of that. He knows all of those things. He did all of that. And when he did those things, in that context, he said, let me consider uh, wisdom. Let me evaluate it. Um, And then as he did so, he established it and he examined it. And then he said, here, I'm going to give it to mankind. So all of the hunting and the digging and the searching and the mining and all of those things, uh, although those are great metaphors for us to understand how we can search through the scriptures to find wisdom, here's what he says. This is what God tells us, is that wisdom is found in this one location. So this is our big picture. Look at verse number 28. He said to mankind, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to turn from evil is understanding. And so here's our big picture. You want wisdom? You've got to fear the Lord. We've talked about this over the past couple of weeks, and we'll mention it every single week. The fear of the Lord, yes, that is holding him in reverence. Yes, it is putting him in his place, in the center of your life. But yes, it is also realizing that he is the great God of the universe that spoke everything into existence. And just as he spoke all of uh all of everything into existence, the entire universe, he can speak you out of existence. And we need to, uh, there needs to be a level of fear that we feel when we are in his presence. Secondly, understanding, you want, you want understanding? Turn from evil. 
Essentially here, what God is telling us is if you want wisdom, you need to listen to him. Listen to God. Follow him. Fear him. Follow him. Turn away from your own ways. Turn away from uh, the Lucifer's ways. Turn away from the devil. Turn away from uh, the evil that is within you and focus your attention on God. Go towards God. Search after God. Fear the Lord and turn from evil. That is where we get wisdom and understanding. Let me pray for us today and we'll end our time together. Father, we thank you again uh, for this opportunity to study your word. Lord, we just pray uh, as we realize now that wisdom can't be found um, in the natural world. Wisdom can't be found in uh, our social world. Wisdom can't be found in man. Wisdom is only found in you. And so, Lord, we pray uh, that you would help us uh, to live a life uh, in fear of you, uh, to live a life uh, separated, uh, turning away from evil. And Lord, we just ask now that you would help us to do these things. And we say these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Clayhouse Gospel Hour. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And if you'd like to get in contact with us, check us out on Facebook or email to clayhousegospelhour at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.